Good evening, Snoopy Talk. This is Brother Snoop. We have uh, a serious conversation for you guys today. You know, a little bit different from what we usually do. I'm joined by two of my good friends, Bracelet and Ring. We're going to be discussing the ongoing war and ongoing conflict in Israel and Palestine. I would like you guys to please introduce yourselves and let's get going. Uh, I'm Bracelet. Um, <clears throat> I'm 22 years old. I grew up in Gaza Strip, Palestine. I moved here my freshman year. Mm -hmm. And the main reason I moved here is for a better opportunity and future for me and my kids. All right, my name is uh, Ring. I'm 21 years old and I was born and raised here, but my family is from uh, Gaza Strip. My dad and my mom both came here at uh, around my age right now. And uh, yeah. So you guys mentioned Strip, right? Can you tell me? Because right now the war is Israel and Palestine, right? What is what is the Gaza Strip? Do you guys mind explaining that? Yeah, so I think Bracelet can explain this because, you know, he's uh, he has a lot more experience in, uh, through this. You know, I know myself, but he really gets the, the, the primary bulk of this. Please. So the Gaza Strip is a very small piece of land. It's about 350 kilometers squared. Um, it's called a strip because, like, you can't call it, like, well, even it's a strip. It's, it's just a line. I believe they yeah, said it's, it's a like 25 uh, yeah. square kilometer, right? Yeah. Or 25 square miles, just yeah. a piece yeah. of land. It's a strip yeah. of land. Mm. It's, it's a strip of exactly land. And I think that the reason it's called because it's very small. Mm. Um, and then you have the West Bank, which yeah. is on the other side of Palestine. Mm -hmm. And when we say Palestine, obviously we mean the full land of Palestine. Mm. But as of now, um, the on the international level, Palestine is considered the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. So there's two parts, you're saying? Exactly. And I'm guessing the parts that aren't. Palestine are the parts that are Israel. Yep. Correct. So this may be really simple, but why are the two countries or the two nations fighting? So this is this has been this has been going on for generations. The main reason we're uh, the two countries are fighting mm -hmm. is because in, <coughs> when you go back to nineteen forty eight, um how the colonization of the Palestinians is that mm -hmm. after the Holocaust and after World War Two, all the Jews around the world they needed a place, they needed a country to contain them. And um, the land of Palestine was given to them. So before that, there was a lot of Jews in Palestine living side <clears throat> living side to side with the Palestinians. But when the Zionist movement started happening, and it was established, a lot of the Jews flipped on the Palestinians, and they started taking their land. And since then, up until today, um, we're talking about the Palestinians have almost around twenty percent of the historical Palestinian land. So you said that they were given the land do you know who the, they were given the land by they were given the land at that time the the palestine after world war ii it was in the hand of the british mm -hmm. the british people gave the land to the jews or to the zionist movement so to this day they've still been fighting and you said this has been a generation long thing mm -hmm. right so obviously as someone like i think we can understand like if you've been oppressed for a long period of time this can't be the only time that war has been a part of this right so like you mean like that the, there there's been wars there's been conflicts. like conflicts yes as of right now now it is an international level mm -hmm. like everyone knows about it but like you said this generation i believe they said for the past seven decades right this exactly. has been happening so have there been small skirmishes like little battles anything like that it's definitely been the thing is this has been an ongoing conflict for 75 years now and mm -hmm. there has been this is probably one of the worst wars we've seen but there has been full-scale wars in the past but i think with the the advancements in technology and social media that's mm. why this one that's why it's reaching a lot more people than than you know in the past but you know there 
there always is small skirmishes and stuff like that. But as, as far as full-on wars, there has been in the past. Mm-hmm. But I just think that now with the use of social media and all these tools to get mm-hmm. to a mass audience of people around the world, a lot of more people are le- like starting to become aware of it and starting to learn, wanting to learn more about it because it's such a deep-rooted conflict. You know? mm-hmm. So it's definitely been an ongoing conflict for you know 75 plus years. Okay, so I guess now the question goes to the p- pivotal point, right? As to why should we as Americans care about a war that's happening overseas? Well, there's a the thing is, there's a lot of reasons why you know Americans should care. Number one, mm-hmm. especially with this war, is Israel is America's one of America's strongest mm-hmm. and most closest allies in the world. They help them with a lot of things. Even you and me, anybody who's a taxpayer in this country, you're paying a portion of your money is going to Israel every year. Mm-hmm. So in my eyes, even as an American, what why is our money going to to what is our money going to fund? You know? Because mm. all these everything that's all these airstrikes, all everything that's going on in Gaza right now are being funded by American taxpayer dollars. Mm-hmm. You know? So it it is important as an American, for sure. So but why is Palestine in the right? I believe I understand what you guys said, right? You guys have been oppressed for seven decades, for seventy five plus years now. But as we know, Hamas declared war, Hamas fired five thousand missiles into Israel, right? So what do you guys? What are your stances on that? What do you believe Hamas is? Well, Hamas is a product of what Israel has done for the past seventy-five years to mm-hmm. the Palestinian people. You know, if you if you go and kick somebody out of their home, that have generational sentimental value to them. Mm-hmm. You know, at one point, all of Palestine was for the Palestinian people. Mm-hmm. There were people in other parts of Palestine who had to seek refuge in going to Gaza because they got kicked out. You know, mm-hmm. so like it's it's a uh, want to add. I feel like it's it's a it's, it's a reaction, and the thing is, if if your land gets taken from you, if if a house you own, mm-hmm. and I come here and I kick you out of it, you're it's it's your natural instinct to fight me, to fight back, and a lot of people that the thing is that all the media around the world right now is very like focused on the fact that Hamas started the war, but this is not the first war we've been in. Dude, this is the sixth war. And if you look back at it, the past past five wars, Israel started it in 2008. Mm-hmm. And back then, social media and the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, like he said, it wasn't on an international level because right now we have social media. Like It's very easier to know what's happening around the world. But back in 2008, and I remember this, I was a kid, I was in school, out of nowhere, it's a normal day, Israel fired more than 1,000 airstrikes on Gaza within minutes. The first day of the 2008 war, Mm-hmm. There was over 1,000 civilian dead, over 1,000 civilians dead. And then that war, they invaded Gaza too. And that war, a total of 2,400 estimate, okay, over like an estimation, 2,400 civilians. I'm talking purely civilians were dead in 2008. And Hamas did not start no war. They did not start anything. You got, you got 2008, you got 2012, you got 2014, you got 2021. And I'm talking about big events. I'm not talking about the daily abuse. That the Palestinian get <clears throat> that they get exposed to on a daily basis. Mm. Talking about we're talking about Gaza Strip has, has has been under blockade for seventeen years, and I personally lived there most of my life up until I was nineteen. Talking about a place that you have eighty percent of the civilians of the population in Gaza Strip, eighty percent live under the li- line of poverty, and all the numbers I'm saying, I'm not pulling them out of my ass. I'm talking about international statistics by the UN and by orga- international organizations. 
you have 80% of people living under poverty. Mm -hmm. You have in Gaza, the, the, for this is like a slight example, here you have like when you go to the bathroom, for instance, you know the sewage water? Yeah. In Gaza, we don't have, <clears throat> we do not have, um, we don't, we don't have, um, like, infrastructure. Exactly. Basic infrastructure, mm -hmm. or the roads, the uh, sewage system, the electrical line, basic, basic infrastructure that you see here, highways, light poles, the basic infrastructure is, they don't have that in Gaza. And, trying to say. and adding to that, you have the sewage water because you don't have infrastructure. It gets poured into the into the sea. The same sea people go go on on the weekends to. The same sea people swim into. That's that's just a, like a basic example of what's happening. Now put put a, put that aside, and you have electricity. Gaza electricity is a privilege that we we, we don't have. Like here, having electricity on a daily basis is something normal. And I, I was here for three years and I got used to electricity. And when I went back to Gaza this summer and the electricity went out for a moment, I was like, what the fuck happened? Like, this is not normal. Mm -hmm. And then I got humbled that, oh, there's people actually like they're working. You have a work on eight hours of electricity. You one day you get electricity in the morning, the other day you get electricity at night. You have the, the drinking water. There's not healthy, like there's not healthy drinking water in Gaza Strip. There's a lot of, a lot of basic humanitarian meets like as a human being that's mm -hmm. the basics that's something you won't think of on a daily basis something that you've been taking for granted all your life that people there see as something huge something if 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 when i went there and like you tell people oh like oh we have electricity do you ask about electricity this that they're like oh, like they're like well like it's just it's, it's they're dumbfounded that. it's like the most basic mm -hmm. things you take here they're not even they can't even fathom that oh you, you'll have that 24-7, you know, in a lot of the buildings, mm -hmm. you have to use the elevator at a certain time because that, if the power is out at a certain, they turn off the power at a certain time of the day, you can't use the elevator, you know, it's the most basic things really, like, that we take for granted here is, like, everything to them, so. And you have all that, and on top of that, constant aggression, the wars that every two, three years, there's a war happening. Mm -hmm. And the daily aggression is not even only happening in Gaza, in the West Bank. Okay, in the West Bank, there's no war. Since the beginning, in, in, since the beginning of 2023 up until now i'm not sure of my numbers but around 200 civilians were dead in the in the, in the west bank there's, there's no there's no hamas nobody started anything there yeah that's that's a big thing to remember too that in the west bank they have what's kind of different about the two that you have to understand is that in i guess we were yeah, this. you go with the open the little part of the yeah and then What does it mean? In the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, the governing bodies are different. Mm. A lot of people don't understand this point. Gaza, the governing strip, the people <clears throat> who are in charge is Hamas. In the West Bank, it's a it's a UN recognized governing body, the PLO, and it's recognized by the UN. So imagine you're in Gaza, all these things are happening to you, okay? Hamas is under control. The other side, which is the West Bank, and by the way, these lands aren't connected for the people listening who don't know that much, you know, the West Bank and Gaza are not connected. The other side of your of your country has chosen the, the diplomatic route. And when you see what the diplomatic route has taken you to, there are still cities in the West Bank. Palestine in the city of Hebron, there are certain there are maps outside that say there are roads that are red. Palestinians can't even walk on the roads. There's checkpoints outside of your house if you want to leave your house. So to like loop back into your question, people have seen what the diplomatic route can take you to. Mm -hmm. And it's not any better. Because the people in West Bank have taken the diplomatic route. But what does it lead to? It leads to checkpoints, roads you can't travel on, is increase in Israeli settlements, 
in Palestinians still dying. Just yesterday, a, a mosque in Geneva was bombed, and there's no Hamas in the West Bank. So where did the diplomatic route take you? You know what I mean? I don't understand. So to, to go full loop into your question, what's your opinion on it? <clears throat> when you back a group of people so far into a wall, when their back is against the wall, what do you expect them to do? You expect them to fight? When you see the, the diplomatic path not, not working, mm -hmm. what are you supposed to do? You know? So. And adding to that, to the diplomatic, uh, diplomatic path that Ring has mentioned, um, there's a big point that a lot of people tend to forget the legal settlements in the West Bank. Mm -hmm. In 1994, the Palestinians and Israelis, they, they signed a peace agreement that Gaza, that the Palestinians for now, were going to be in Gaza Strip and in the West Bank. And this was going to the Palestinian state for further negotiations. Mm -hmm. So what happened is, after 1994, <coughs> the start of the rise of the legal settlements, now you have an uh, international standpoint, the West Bank should have zero Israeli presence. Zero. Right now, the West Bank is divided into three parts. You have part A, which is fully Palestinian. You have mm -hmm. part B, which is fully Israeli. And and th those the fully Israeli Palestinian cannot enter. That's the right paths that Ring was talking about. And you have part C, where both they, they, they share the land somehow or another. But you're saying the Israelis should even be they in that part? Not, not should really. not. The Israelis shouldn't even be there. And... Further that is year after year, you see Israeli settlements continue to rise. You see Palestinians mm -hmm. kicked out of their homes. You see an increase of everything. And all of this under UN laws is illegal. This is illegal under UN law, but they still do it anyway because the world will allow them to do it. That's why I tie it back into your question of what do you expect the people to do? Diplomatically, the world are failing the Palestinian people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. On the other side, diplomatically, they're getting failed. You know? Yeah. Because they agreed to something, but it's not what's happening. They agreed to peace terms, but look what happened. You know, mm. so what do you expect the people to do? They always expect them to fight. And like I, like I, you know, no one here is a bad person. Civilian life on either side is wrong. It's wrong. But the the question is, what is it a product of? That's what you have to ask yourself. Mm. You know, what is the violence a product of? Well, it's a product of oppressing our people for seventy five years. Can can you really blame them? What choice did you leave them? You sieged them for eighteen years. First, you kicked them out of their homes. About well, what's the statistic? Maybe seventy percent of the people in Gaza are not even native to that land. These are people of refugees who got kicked out in 48 mm -hmm. and had nowhere to go from the other parts of Palestine and they had to resort to going to Gaza. So all so 70% of people are already considered refugees. They already got kicked out of their homes. Homes that their grandfathers, their grandparents have, have built in and lived in for generations. They already got kicked out, kicked out of those homes, moved to the Gaza Strip. Then you put a siege on them. Then on top of that, you see on the other side, the diplomatic uh, path failing the other people. So what do you expect to happen? You know, if that makes sense. No, 100%, 100%. Now I'd like to change it back to basically here. And you said you spent uh, 19 years, right? In the Gaza Strip, yeah. correct? And you came here and then you went back to visit your family, your friends. Can you tell us more about what it was life like growing up in the Gaza Strip, how your family was able to survive to come here to America for you to be able to study and how it was to go back and experience it all over again and just how it changed you please so growing up I always had that like everybody everybody in the Gaza Strip everybody our age in their early 20s even late 20s is when you grow up you go to high school you decide what you're going to do in your life mm -hmm. I'm talking 95% of the people there their dream is to get out of Gaza Strip 
why would you say that if it's if a place that you live in, your families, like you're willing to sacrifice your family, your friends, your comfort zone. If you're living, for instance, right now, like you've been living here all your life, if I tell you, I'm going to take you to another side of the world, different culture, different society, different system, you're not going to want to. But why? The only, the only reason why, it's just a chance for a better future. The only reason I came here was a chance for a better future. Growing up there, you had, you had no hope. There's no hope of anything. I know, I know my cousin, for instance, he went to, he studied the same major I'm studying right now, mechanical engineering in Gaza. He got his master's. He's, he's 29 years old. He does not have any source of income. He tried and he, he graduated fourth on his class. He was a top student. There's no opportunities. There's no future. There's, there's no businesses running. There's no companies. There's nothing. There's literally nothing. The, your only hope of surviving is just going outside. And not even everybody has that chance to. Mm-hmm. I was only lucky. I was only lucky because I was born in the United States. And then two weeks after I was born, my dad and my family moved back. So I was lucky I had the passport and my family, they are U.S. citizens. We had that chance or the choice. Sorry, that the choice of coming here. Other people don't. When I went back this summer, I was I was talking with my cousin and a lot of a lot of my friends, they all have similar mindset as me and they all have the same smartness. Like they all went through the same schooling system. We all come from similar backgrounds, similar similar mm-hmm. families. We are all grown up the same. But it just tears my heart is that when I sit down with them and they're telling me about their future, they have great ideas, they have a lot of plans, but they're stopped. Why? Because they tell me like there's nothing we can do. They want to. They're working hard, and I'm telling you, every, every, every U.S., um, every, I'm sorry, every Gaza, every like guy around my age in Gaza, he he is very hardworking, dedicated. Everybody's hardworking, dedicated, but they don't have the chance to. That's my point. That's what I'm getting. To. Mm-hmm. You don't have like in life, general life, you work hard for something. Yeah, you have a goal. Exactly, but there you have no goal to work hard for. Obviously, that's only I'm talking from our generation standpoint. Like, mm-hmm. Right now we thrive, we study, we go to school because we all want to be successful at some point of our life. Exactly. But yeah, but like I'm talking like you have kids, for instance, you have kids there, like they there's they've been living like I'm talking about eighty percent they're poor people. So there's there's not a chance like here you get like on the weekends you get to go go out with your friends or for instance as kids we used to go to like amusement parks here. Like you go to Chuck and Cheese or you go here and there, there's nothing like that there. There's nothing. You go to you go to your dad, oh dad, take me out. He doesn't have money. He barely has money to put food on the table for you. And the main, the main, the main, main, main problem in Gaza is poverty. There, there is no money. There's no money coming in, invest investments in Gaza to make it better. It's nothing. It's it's a third world country. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like like if if you get a normal US citizen here that's been living here and grew up here and you threw them in Gaza, yeah. just threw them there. I don't think everybody's gonna survive because the the things people see, and also if you put all that aside, if the wars that people see, that for, I was talking with my friend back home and he was I was like oh like thank God like you're good you're safe you're healthy and he was telling me even if I made it out of this war alive I'm dead from the inside and the thing is this sentence it could be used as a figure of speech but I know he really meant it. That he's really dead from the inside. That people are already before those wars happen, there's there's nothing, there's no hope for those people. And on top of that, you get a war, like you you traumatize people, you you give them 
like there's their hope right now is to stay alive they're not even hoping of reaching their goals that they have in mind their goal and their hope is still alive so how do you expect them like to live after this like on top of all that on top of all the poor circumstances or the very low like life like standard exactly mm. standards they're living and on top of that you make them go through wars this and that at the end of the day they're like what's this life even for yeah yeah no that's a lot to process i'll be honest that is a lot to process um going back now back to the u.s and back to what's been happening with the current war um sorry i didn't mean to do you have your own personal story do you like to share yeah it's the most personal story <laughs> It's just we want to shine light on what's really happening, right? And I'm sure you guys... He covered it to the, to the team. The people are in despair. There's no hope. Mm -hmm. It's a very hopeless... Um, it's a very hopeless circumstance. The people don't have hope. The people don't have... And like the biggest point that he said, it's not that they're not capable, but at the end of the day, if, if you don't see physically where... For example, like what he said was cool. You could go to school, but to do what in the end? There's no companies there. There's no jobs there. There's no investments there. There's no... Um, you know, there's there's just not a lot of hope there at the end yeah. of the day. When you take out hope, there's nothing to believe in. There's nothing to believe in. There's nothing even to aspire for in life. Yeah. You know, you know. So I understand. It's, it's, uh, it is. It's very tough. And 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 on the other side of all of this, you have Israel. Mm -hmm. Israel, for instance, they they're considered one of the they are a nuclear superpower. Let's exactly. let's look at the straight facts, right? I did a little bit of research before I came in here. So new. Israel by itself, it's a country, it's a nuclear superpower. Palestine, on the other hand, is not like we just discussed, right? Palestine is filled into two different parts. One is a 25-mile strip, and the other has over, I believe, I could be wrong here, it's 100 or either 600-something checkpoints surrounding the whole thing, mm -hmm. right? Now, I also have heard that Gaza, the 25-mile strip, is also the largest open-air prison in the world. Can you guys please explain that in more detail? Like, what is that title? What does it mean? And how did that title get achieved? So in back in 2006, there was a siege mm -hmm. not like it that yeah. was placed on Gaza, and at any standpoint, okay, any peaceful land. For instance, the Gaza Strip, it got it has four four sides, got three blocked by, or sorry, no, two from the west and the north, you got Israel, mm -hmm. and then from the east you got the Mediterranean Sea. And then from the south, you got its bordering Egypt. Now in Gaza, let's start with the sea. The sea can't go more than 10 miles into the sea. Swimming, fishing, nothing. You have all of the all of the Navy. Israeli Navy. Exactly, Israeli Navy lined up 10 mm -hmm. miles, around 10 to 20 miles into the sea. You cannot cross that. You cross that, you're dead. Mm -hmm. You cross that, you're dead. That's from the sea. And then you have- from also, also with that, a, a, big, a big occupation in the strip is fishermen fishermen who aren't seeing fish but even though they can't go 10 miles beyond you know into so they can't even really catch anything they can't they can, it's everything is limited is what mm -hmm. i'm trying to say is you know a big occupation there is fishermen and, and stuff like that so yeah. yep and you have israel from the other side from the west and then you have from the north you have israel also and there you have a border mm -hmm. one of the most watched borders in the world and then you have egypt and there and then Egypt is also a border, and that in that what borders Gaza Strip with Egypt, there we have the only, we have the only, like land border that Palestinians could go through to travel. So mm -hmm. why is it back to your question? Why is it 
twins in an open air prison because you look you look around you're surrounded by your oppressor mm-hmm. you look up you have drones 24 hours 24 7 drones that are surveilling gaza from the north to the south from the east east to the west and i don't know if you got like you're familiar with the noises of the drone but growing up the noise of the drone it was so normal to me that going outside of gaza the first time i left gaza and i really heard i was outside in nature like on the street and i could hear like pure like quietness i didn't believe it you got drones watching you so they're watching you from all around everything that's going inside inside of gaza is like it's either like i don't know how to monitor exactly all monitored anything mm-hmm. any anything that goes in anything that comes out it's all monitored it's not a free the riots guys the, the nickname of an open air prison mm-hmm. it's not a free it's not a free space anything that goes in anything that comes out is monitored um even tra- i mean how, how many hours did it take you to travel so when i traveled and a few years ago when i traveled from the gaza strip to egypt it took me 36 hours to cross a, a 36 land. hours 36 hours when if you put it on google maps it should take you four hours mm-hmm. this summer when i went back this summer mm-hmm. when i went back it took me when i was going in it took me around roughly both, both time took me roughly around roughly around 20 hours so yeah so even going out going into gaza we don't have an airport mm-hmm. people you can't just book a flight fly there and that's it you don't have um, a seaport you don't have um like the basic necessities for any country in the world so yeah that's why it's called open air prison is that there's a lot of stuff like imagine imagine your like your oppressor controls everything you have yeah, every mm-hmm. aspect of life is even even in this war you saw it what, what what was the first thing israel did they cut off electricity they cut off food from going in they cut off water why are they allowed to do that because they control everything that it's also a human right no that's a human right but they control everything electricity water the wi-fi the mm-hmm. uh, they control almost all aspects of basic basic things that we see around this room that you take they control all of it you know, they're also going on to say that they're calling it an ethnic cleansing Sure. right this For is sure. a genocide i've also read that the body count right has the death count has totaled the holocaust as of i believe last year of course yeah. that gets past it this is the next genocide and yeah, it's happening it's, right uh, in our very eyes yeah it's it's um it's very uh i don't want to use the word uh funny but everything is unfiltered here yeah, i don't want to use that word it's not the right word but it's very um ironic to see the people who went through that Mm-hmm. then become the people doing the same to us do the same to other people it's very ironic mm. but that's what it is i mean they they clearly you know all this stuff about that they're targeting trying to get hamas with these airstrikes mm-hmm. it's a load of shit. like i don't know if you saw the video but they issued an alert for all civilians to go from the north to the south i read that when they were try when they issued that alert and people started flooding from the north to the south they they sent airstrikes on one of the roads one of the main roads that go connects the north to the south killing civilians in cars like there's literally a video of cars that you told to go south and then they start bombing the south you know mm-hmm. it's it, it, they say they don't target civilians but they do and that's the that's with them trying to go through with the genocide and the ethnic cleansing and they say they care but they don't care it's obvious and adding to what mr ring said that the where they bombed they bombed the predetermined route that Israel put for the civilians to flee from. There was two main roads, right? Exactly. So they bomb, you're roads. telling me they bombed the own road that they that gave they for civilians. For civilians to move, they bombed that road. 
there's literally videos of it. There's literally videos of it. But then you get into the whole, oh, the big side of this of this whole conflict is just the media and mm -hmm. how they are portraying. So we've all, I believe, we've all seen right what's going on with the media, yep. and or maybe I should say what's not been going on with the media. What are you guys' thoughts on it? Because I believe everywhere I look, right, I see only the Israeli inside. I very rarely do I see a Palestinian side portrayed in a just way in Palestine. Even, um, I believe, a couple days ago, I, by the time our viewers are listening to this, it might be a couple, maybe a week or so, but um, any translation, if you wrote Palestine in your Instagram bio, it translated to yeah. Palestinian terrorists. Yeah. Right? There's little things here and there, they call it a glitch, that's a pretty big glitch to say. Right? I'll give you, I'll give you a clear example of this. The UN ambassador mm -hmm. went on to an interview with Piers Morgan. Mm. Mind you, the UN ambassador, that means that he's a part of the section of Palestine that is controlled by the recognized UN part, the Palestinian Authority. Democratic. Has nothing to do with Hamas. Has mm -hmm. nothing to do with it. Completely so He chose the path of diplomacy in this whole thing. He is a UN ambassador, okay? Mm -hmm. Gets on the gets on the interview. What's the first thing that Piers Morgan asks him? Hamas. Do you condemn the actions of Hamas? Mm -hmm. He has nothing to do with Hamas. He has nothing to do with them, and he represents a body of people who are who are being occupied directly by the Israelis. He represents those people. Instead of Piers Morgan asking him, "Oh, about the 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 mosque being bombed, or the people that how are the people doing inside the West Bank? Why, if there is no..." Uh, Hamas in the West Bank. Why are Palestinian kids still dying? I saw a video of a ten-year-old getting arrested with his with his seven-year-old sister outside the car crying. He doesn't ask about any of that. What's going on in his represented part? But goes straight to that. But then, if you look at interviews where he's interviewing the people of Israel, he doesn't ask them to condemn what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Why, when you told people to flee from the north to the south, why did you? Bond? You'll never find anybody question them. But it's always a question on us. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like a clear, clear. If you see the two sides, mm -hmm. it's very clear to see that there are certain biases within the media of of them taking sides. You know, yeah. it's like today. Uh, <coughs> I saw on somebody's story. They had the they reposted the New York Times, mm -hmm. and the New York Times um, inside of everything that's happening in Gaza, and on a daily basis, there's a million stories that you could hear, a million of heartbreaking stories, of course, humane stories you could hear from any individual on the street, any individual. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there's a lot of stories that's outside of the media on an international level, but the New York Times chose their head headlines to be the 200 hostages in Gaza learn more. So talking about up, up until now, and by the time like even we've been on this podcast like maybe for like 30 minutes, I bet you by this time if I check if I check my phone right now, there's people that have been killed civilians <laughs> by the time we're talking right now. There's 4,500. And that's that that number is like what I remember from the morning. We have 500 civilians in Gaza Strip that have been killed. M most of them, over 1,200, are children. So you chose to ignore that. New York Times chose to ignore that and chose to focus on the 200 hostages in Gaza. And you know, one of the biggest, one of the biggest, biggest till this day, probably in any, the biggest media most dumbest thing I've ever seen mm -hmm. was I'm sure you heard about the story of the 40 decapitated babies I heard that um you know I believe our president right uh so, jo president Joe Biden he went on live television and he said he saw a video where he saw Hamas beheading 40 babies so number one that never happened how mm -hmm. that story came to be was an Israeli journalist had randomly said it but when Israel says the side of the story people tend to just take it mm -hmm. and run with it with no facts or anything so 
that story had blown up that there was a video of 40 decapitated babies and this and that. It was never confirmed. It got so much hype to the point where the president of the United States went up and said it in front of on live television mm-hmm. that that was a solid fact. That later that evening, the White House had to refute because he had actually never seen a video of and that. And there was happening. no proof, I believe, right? Because you no, can't when you say something like that, people want proof. Exactly, but the, the White House had to come out and refute it. Mm-hmm. Now the thing is, why did why he okay decapitating babies? That's a horrible thing but number one it never happened number one number two where was the mention of the 1200 children that are mm-hmm. that died in in, in Strip from the airstrikes that they're raining upon the people mm-hmm. no one even mentioned it you know so it's just a clear clear i mean i've yet to see even anybody of like a big position like but they'll not they won't even mention it you know so even though i believe i read something as well uh recent news a couple days again for our listeners there was a bombing, right, of the hospital. I believe they said that it was, at first, there was a video that Israeli officials released um, saying that it was a Hamas missile that misfired, and they released the Arabic clip. And I've heard from many sides saying that, one, it's very true, and then the other side saying anyone that speaks Arabic knows that's not really Arabic, that's obviously fake. So they released two videos. The first video they released, they thought they released a timestamp proof over yeah. the rocket going in going um from from gaza strip falling on the gaza strip from hamas and the funny thing is that the bombing had around nine o'clock and mm-hmm. that video was eight o'clock the timestamp completely different completely different that's one thing the second video they released they released a video of two people who said they intersected a call mm-hmm. by two hamas fighters saying it and as any any person that speaks arabic you know that the accents of those two people were not from gaza because obviously if there's a different dialects. Exactly, right? exactly. Like here in Boston, there's a Boston accent. If you go to, for instance, to go to the south, there's a south accent. New York. Exactly. Chop cheese. <laughs> so you know that that's not them. And the funny thing is that after they bombed it, so they bombed it and then their one of their ministers tweeted about it. And when we saw the world's reaction, he deleted this tweet. And the funny part is that mm. everybody has that proof. If I go to, through my phone right now, mm. I could find out that the tweet that he tweeted. He said, we killed Hamas fighters hiding in a hospital. And then after he saw how the disaster he caused. Because he killed, I believe, over 500 civilians. Exactly. No? Yep, exactly. There's 500 civilians that were taking shelter mm-hmm. into the hospital because they have no place to go. And that's that's all, that's only one of their like war crimes that they committed. Because on an international level, and like when it comes to wars, there's laws. And and one of the laws is that you cannot bomb a hospital under any circumstance. You cannot kill civilians under any. You can't purposely kill civilians. I mean, exactly. that's just that, that just goes. Yeah. yeah. That, exactly. I mean that that whole hospital thing. I mean, it's a classic. It's a it's a classic uh, Israel move. They they've they've done this time and time again. I don't know if you're aware with the reporter that happened. Uh, her name was Shireen. She was a journalist, and she had gotten in the middle of some like. Uh, a clash between Palestinian fighters and Israel, yeah, Israel fighters. She was a reporter for Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera. She was a journalist. Okay. And when she died, it was a huge thing when she passed. When she passed, uh, like she had got shot. Mm-hmm. And Israel, when it first happened, we were say, like the Palestinians were saying it was an Israeli soldier that shot her. And they were saying that it was us who shot her. Even though there was evidence, there was clear evidence that they had shot her. What they do is in the beginning, they lie. Mm-hmm. They straight up lie in the beginning. What they do is they wait for things to calm down when nobody's really paying attention anymore, and that's when they they'll 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 tell the truth about what happened. They admitted to her death. What like two weeks? Yeah, they admitted to her death, and they she got sniped in her neck. They so it wasn't a you know 
round shot from no, anywhere. She was, not, she was purposely killed. Mm. She was wearing a, a vest on her chest and she was wearing the helmet, yeah. the press helmet. In the, in the war, you wear something that says press on, on it. Press or, medic, and yeah. like people will know. And she got sniped in her neck. And when and when stuff like that happens, when it happens, it blew up. Everybody mm -hmm. was talking about it, even internationally. Like, who did this? What what ha What truly happened? Mm -hmm. What they like to do is they lie in the beginning. And then when the world slowly starts to forget, as they always do, they'll brush it along with their daily news, you know, that it happened. But by the time they brush it along, nobody's looking at the conflict anymore. It's too late. It's too late. There's the something world, new. The world moved on to something new. Mm -hmm. and so they do it time and time again. So they can, what's, what's the strongest thing in our modern society right now is media, social media. Definitely. They control social media. Right now, um, from a personal perspective, um, an average, like if I post any story on Instagram, let's say I get three, 400 views. Mm -hmm. Right now, I post a post for Palestine. 24 hours go by, I get 30, 40 views. 30, 40 views from the people that also post about Palestine. Mm -hmm. So that's the shadowing they do. They on on Facebook they purposely on, ban it, shadow ban exactly on, on on Facebook on Meta, all the Palestinian posts mm -hmm. they take them down. The Israeli posts they keep them up. Yeah, and that's just small examples. Mm -hmm. Also, to go back to the hospital, actually, in the clip of the two, the clip of them speaking Arabic, what they had said in the clip was that um they fired a missile from the cemetery behind the hospital mm -hmm. and failed in falling down. Later that day, when in when they had a press conference. One of the the like the head of defense or one of those you know people high up in the jury went up and had a press conference about the hospital. Mm -hmm. He showed a map of where they expected the Hamas rocket to come from, and it was not in the cemetery. But mm -hmm. the phone calls that it was in the cemetery was it not in the cemetery. You know, their stories just don't match up. Don't line with that whole hospital thing. Their mm -hmm. stories just do not match up at all. I wanted to say going back to the war crimes that we we're speaking of, um, I've also read and I've seen or not seen right. I've seen videos of Israeli Israel using preposterous gas. I may be pronouncing this wrong, but for our listeners, can you guys please describe what that is, what it entails, and how by that by itself is a war crime? So by UN by UN standards, chemical warfare is mm -hmm. is banned. You're not allowed to use chemical phosphorus is a chemical that I, I'm not honestly I maybe um bracelet knows more about like who, of how dangerous it actually is. I just know by UN standards it's a war crime to use chemical mm -hmm. warfare and that's a form of chemical warfare. So the this bomb, it goes in the air, mm -hmm. and the whole idea of it is that it explodes in the air. Okay. And then when it explodes, it, it goes, rains down phosphorus. It, exactly, it rains down yeah. and phosphorus burns down anything that's in its way. I believe they said it's very flammable, right? And it's something that you can't put out, like it's not by a fire extinguisher or by water, and it's something that burns, like if it gets on your skin, I believe I read, if it gets on your skin, it will burn to the bone. It'll go through it. Mm -hmm. If you put a piece of phosphorus on top of this building yeah it'll burn through up until the first floor and the idea of it like they yeah so like i'm not i'm not i'm not a very like i'm not a i'm not a war expert i'm not a chemist <laughs> but like i'm just like i've seen it i've seen it with my own eyes mm -hmm. and, and i was a kid but i've seen it with my own eyes so this is not nothing new this no, has no, been happening for a while they use it but they use it they use it in 2008 and they use it in 2014 and they get away with it and even um you know how uh, Mr. Ren, he mentioned how we take the, the took the diplomatic side. Mm -hmm. After the the previous wars that Gaza Strip have been through, um, the Palestinian Authority went on to the international um, juries. The um, what's it called? Like the UN Council. The UN yes. Council, and, and they condemned Israel, and they they, they had lawsuits against Israel for 
um, breaking international laws and war crimes, mm-hmm. and and it was in front of the whole world. Like they want it, but what happened to Israel? Nothing. No, see what they happened from there. They essentially have a pass. They they essentially have a pass to 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 do anything they want mm-hmm. because they know that the world's not going to hold them accountable. You see with the Israeli settlements, like I said, they break that international law, chemical mm-hmm. warfare. They use it time and time again, and they get away with it. That no one's holding them accountable. Another thing I believe I saw, especially with the UN, and for all our listeners, you guys can go out. I don't know if they deleted it, but they definitely did it. If it's on uh, X now that that they call it, not Twitter, but the UN held a Security Council resolution, right, to provide humanitarian aid to and deliver life-saving aid to millions in Gaza, and there were twelve countries in favor. These twelve countries. I'm going to say about a couple, but the main ones, Albania, Brazil, China, Ecuador, France, Gabon, Ghana, Japan, Malta, Mozambique, Switzerland, UAE, they were all four. Two, Russia and UK were kind of abstained, they sit in the middle, and there was one country that was against, and this one country has veto power, and this one country is the United States of America. What are you guys thoughts on that? Is that on the, the humanitarian aid? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's the... Uh... I mean, yeah, it's 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 in the mm. See what people are going through, and you don't even wanna wanna uh, help. I mean, help out. And even to the point of the United States, I mean, you can make the argument that the United States, to a point, funded this war. You know, they're they're. I believe Joe Biden said. I hate to cut you off, but I believe Joe Biden said that this is the best three billion dollar investment that we would make. Of course, of mm-hmm. course, they help fund this war. They essentially, secondhandedly, are a part of killing these children so to vote against not sending even humanitarian aid on mm-hmm. an already siege strip that's that's the thing is that they're already sieged beyond their control you've already sieged every aspect of their life and now you're mm-hmm. you're not even willing to send aid it's it's inhumane so my my, my question is if they say they're fighting hamas mm-hmm. right and united states israel that's their narrative for the whole world but you have 2.2 2. 2 million civilians in gaza mm-hmm. and i was one of them I was not part of any organization. I would I do not belong to Hamas. I don't belong to anyone. Out of two point two million people, so you're 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 assuming that two point two million people are Hamas. If if the first day of the war you close electricity, water, food, everything mm-hmm. Gaza Strip, what's what's the other people's false collective punishment? I believe that's exactly. also another exactly. war crime. That's yeah. the word I was looking for: collective punishment. So why would the United States not let humanitarian aid? We're not talking military aid. We're talking basic aid, like for the hospital. The hospitals in Gaza right now, they don't have electricity. They're running medical operations on flashlight. Mm-hmm. So, flashlight. You have the nurse holding a flashlight. You have dead people on the floor. You have injured people getting medical treatment on the floor yeah. because there's no place to put them. So when we're, we're asking for the basic like necessities. A human right. Exactly. Exactly what it is. At the end of the day, that's what it is. And this, human aid, right. and this aid, it's not like they, they make it seem, they make it seem like this aid that they're voting on is something huge. They said they let 20 trucks. We're talking about 2.2 million people for 14 days mm-hmm. right now. And right now it's like 16 days too. For 16 days. There's 2.2 million people that they have limited water, limited food, this, this, and that. And then after all that, you let 20 trucks in. Guys, on a daily basis, there's 200 trucks that goes in. So after six, and then you, you give me 20 trucks. What's 20 trucks gonna do? And then you answer the 20 trucks, the, the 20 trucks they allowed in is only, only enough for 30,000 people. So what's 30,000 people out of 2.2 million people? Nothing. Exactly. 
it's a it's a known it's a known agenda that they want to make the people of Gaza suffer. Mm-hmm. They, they do want to make them suffer, and the whole thing with losing civilian life, mm-hmm. they've through their media like campaign against the people and everything. Everything they do is very smart, mm-hmm. very very smart. Have you heard the term human shields? At of all course. In your research, yeah. They like to portray mm-hmm. the media. They convince everybody that Hamas is using these people as quite quite literal human shields. Why did mm-hmm. they do that? Because when these civilian deaths rise, mm-hmm. they have a, a safety net. Oh, but they use human shields. So we just decided to bomb the wall. So we, we have no choice. Mm-hmm. We have no choice. It's, it, it, it's Hamas's fault. They use human shields. You know, it's a safety net for them. They they create that illusion so that nothing can fall back on them with, you know, the loss of civilian life. And it gives them almost like a, a card in their hand, you know. And even even let's say Hamas is using civilians as human shields. What does bombing schools, hospitals, mm-hmm. infrastructure, a, a, a church, a church? We didn't even talk about yeah, the church. The church the Please, because oh, I know a lot of people are saying this is a like like this is ethnic cleansing, right? So, but you said church, you didn't say mosque, right? So, it's not against fully against Muslims, right? It's against even Christians now, I believe, right? Because the land of Palestine is a holy land for all the three major religions, right? Um, Jews. I, I may be saying this wrong for Islam, for Christianity, and Judaism. and Judaism, right? So it's a holy land for all three. And you just said they bombed a church. Not only the third oldest church in the world, in the mm-hmm. world, third oldest, right? Yep, third oldest church in the world, and one out of only two churches in the Gaza Strip, Imam, and eighteen Christians died. Mm-hmm. And the only people that the the Christian population in Gaza is very. Slim. They're all around one thousand people, mm-hmm. and they went to the church to take shelter in. And even they went to the church to take shelter in because they didn't think that why why would Israel have any reason to bomb a church? But when it comes down to Israel, like you just you know you know like they don't care. They don't care. Everything's even, the same. There's even a huge there's a huge organization called Jewish Voice for Peace, mm-hmm. and they're a group of Jewish Jewish people who stand with Palestinians. Mm-hmm. Who understand that the idea of Zionism is wrong, mm-hmm. it, it, that it's a wrong idea and it's it's radical and it's they they completely agree with that. I saw, I think it was in, I think it was in New York. There was a protest in New York, and a lot of these protests, the Jewish, you see them, they mm-hmm. have their signs. You see them in the big sign, they're walking mm-hmm. around. The Muslims behind us, it was time for prayer. They were praying, mm-hmm. and on the other side of the street, there was a group of Israeli supporters with the Israel flag and everything, mm-hmm. and the Jews stood in between. The people praying mm-hmm. and the israelis on the other side kind of as a symbol of protecting them from because people were throwing things and mm-hmm. as a symbol of, of of protecting them you know mm-hmm. so it's not fully a lot of people think it's fully a religious mm-hmm. matter when it's not because dating back like he said in the beginning there were jews living in the land there were christians living in the land every every one of those religions has important ties to the land you know mm-hmm. so it's much it's not just a religious issue jesus was born in palestine yeah. Our Prophet Muhammad went from land to heaven, from our world to heaven, from Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So, and th- that's another reason why, uh, for us Palestinians, this land is because Palestine. It's not only a conflict only for Palestinians and Muslim. We like we believe in Palestine. That is why mm-hmm. we're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to give our children. We're willing to give our home. We're willing to give our life for Palestine because it's like our destiny. It's like mm-hmm. what we were born for. You know, when you believe in something so much, yeah, it's very hard. It even ties in. You'd be so surprised at the level 
of um, the amount of IDF soldiers right now mm-hmm. that are putting up their guns and saying, we don't want to fight this. This is not only Indian. There's a lot of them who are saying this is this is not what one we signed up for. And two, and it, it, a lot of the IDF soldiers, mm-hmm. it's a mandatory one year block that you have to serve. You yeah. know, a lot of them got caught up in it. The Israeli soldiers don't have the same love and fight for the land as the Palestinians do. Because we have, because it, it is our land, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it is our land. It is where our ancestors were. It is where it's the land that our ancestors got kicked out of, you know? Mm-hmm. For the other side, they don't feel that because a lot of these people, uh, generation-wise, came from Europe, came from mm-hmm. other parts of the world. It's not, they can't call it home as much as we can you know yeah so it's a lot much more of a of a desire mm-hmm. and and not for your people for your ancestors for your so much bigger than just just land for us mm-hmm. you know what i mean i mean we're all I, i'm speaking for bracelet here too but we pray that we'll see the day that that palestine is free not for us for our ancestors for everyone who fought for it for mm-hmm. everyone who believed in it and for everyone who didn't give up on it you know yeah, it, it, it's so it's so deep into the blood, into the heart, into the soul of the people that that just goes to show you that it it is rightfully our land. They don't have mm-hmm. that same desire, you know. Mm. And and adding adding to what uh, Mr. Rain said here is that if if you look at it right, if you look at it, most of the Israelis right now they have dual citizenship. Yeah. Why is that? Because they come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. They, they, when the, when the, when the, when the war happened, it was the first thing they did when the war happened. They flee. The Ben Gurion um, airport. You couldn't even step a foot in the airport. So there's the saying, a land you will die for is your land. Mm-hmm. A land you kill for is not yours. And that, that, like that quote is just so powerful and it just holds a lot behind it. It's true. So exactly. spot on. There's not even a better way that you can describe it. Simple as that. Repeat it again for the listeners. A land you kill for is not your land. Mm-hmm. A land you die for is your land. Yeah. Crazy. Going back into the human rights issue, right? Where I'm going to tie this all back in again. Why should we as Americans care, right? And I understand you guys just said about the whole land aspect. You guys were there from the beginning. It's your land, right? But the average American at the end of the day, right, for them, it's two opposing countries on the other side of the world fighting over it. So why should the average American care? From what I've learned from my two guests right now so far, you should care if you're a human. That's, right? Well, that's the thing I think that I could show up. Please continue. Well, the thing, you know how Bracelet said that if you take the average American here and put mm-hmm. them in Gaza, they wouldn't survive? Well, this isn't really answering the, the question directly, but I'm going to get to it. The problem is I feel like that in, in America specifically, people kind of, la- they lack basic human integrity and human life is so, is so great here mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of people who don't have a there's a lot of people who live here that don't have a channel to any other part of the world so they don't know how things can be they don't have they don't have even an idea of they can't even fathom the fact of some of the things that you know you have went through for example you know so i feel like it kind of limits their their ability to com- like be compassionate with others you know because mm-hmm. the, the basic answer to this question is you should care because we're you're all human yeah. we're all human you know and it has to go you have to realize that not what you live here 
what you have here, the basic things that you you get here, everything from the second you wake up, the second you leave your bed, from the second you you get back into your bed, everything is truly a blessing. Everything. And I think a lot of people here just simply don't understand that. And that's why the question gets brought up of even why should we care? Mm-hmm. That shows you, you know, the question of why should we care tells you so much. We just shouldn't even be there. The fact that that question is even being asked, mm-hmm. you know, these are humans. Why Why are you even asking that? You, you're you a human too, yeah. you know? So it's just, it's a, it, it, the only answer to it really is we're all humans. You know, you, I don't know how even you can see some of these videos online and not even tear up a little bit, yeah. you know, it's, it's awful. What's their fault for being, um, like they that were born? Saying. Yeah, they were born on the wrong side of the world, for instance. And even, even like, let's and adding to Palestinians, our, our people in like Syria, Syrian Syrians, Iraqis, Afghanistan, all the people all in the Middle East, like the Iraqi War, one million Iraqi died. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Middle East. A lot of things that's happened all over the years, mm. but. They make it seem that the people living there, that the life of an average person living there is not as worth as a life is living here. They dehumanize people there. Making that, it easier. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We've seen that time and time again. I mean, on October 7th, the attack, like I said, civilian life is always, is always it's not a, it's always terrible. Mm-hmm. The loss of civilian life. But my question is, where was the world in the past, let's not even go back 75 years, in the past five years, who was standing up for us Palestinians when we were dying? I don't think when, when the average person really did, knew. Did it even get brought up? Not only did it even get brought up, so my whole point is, okay, civilian life is wrong. Mm-hmm. The loss of civilian life is wrong. Okay, but don't value the loss of a civilian Israeli life more than the loss of a Palestinian life. Because no one says anything when no one says anything when this was happening. Like I said, let's not even go back 75 years. Let's go back five years. No one said anything when the idea for storming one of our most holy sites, Masjid Al-Aqsa, in, on the first day of Ramadan, which is our holiest month, mm-hmm. and they were going and beat up, beating up grandmothers with batons. Nobody mentioned that. Nobody mentioned that on a world stage. The world didn't erupt when that happened. The world didn't erupt when a seven-year-old Palestinian kid who was playing with a soccer ball in the West Bank, who where Hamas does not exist, got shot in the head. None of that gets brought up, you know? And none of it got brought up when it happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So my whole point is, at least be equal. Yeah. At least be equal. And obviously, there's many, 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 many stories. Mm-hmm. And from how many stories there are, like it's very hard to remember stories. But there's many. If we're gonna talk about stories and the suffering that Palestinian people lived through, only in the West Bank. I don't want to put Gaza in the equation. Only in the West Bank, we're gonna keep going at this for hours. Yeah, you don't. You wouldn't even believe because you wouldn't even believe it's a daily thing. That's the thing that people don't understand because that they're not in tune with it because the media doesn't care when it happens to Palestinians. That's mm-hmm. the, well, the media doesn't care. But if you're really following up because you know we're both Palestinian, we follow up on what's going on, this is a daily thing. What happened, this is a daily thing. There's always Palestinians getting kicked out of their homes. There's always somebody dying. There's always kids getting arrested and separated from families. This is a daily thing. Like I said, don't even go back 75 years. Go back to the past five years and you'll find you'll find hundreds of examples of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. So like main point here, Palestinians we've been suffering for a lot. Yeah. The, on a daily basis. On uh we've been death seen a lot. And um 
it's it's just I don't know. Like there's no ways you can describe what's happening right now. Sometimes you're just flabbergasted. Yeah, I get it. When you truly look into it, when you truly truly look into it, it's just you can't even believe. It's to the point where you can't even believe it. You know, Mm -hmm. you you really just can't even believe it. And it's just a sense of like you said in the beginning, just losing hope, losing uh, just everything. You know, it's it's. I encourage everyone watching to really look into it, look past the headlines, really, really look into it. And you'll find some very, very, you know, eye-opening things for sure. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any other closing remarks before we... I think finish? that's that's my biggest closing remark. I like think that. anybody who has just, if you're listening to this, you're somewhat interested, mm-hmm. you know? And if you don't know that much, I would encourage you to really go look beyond the headlines beyond what CNN is telling you, beyond American media, beyond, go and actually try to find the truth. That's that's my, my one thing. If, if you're, if you're going to speak about it, at least know what's going on. Yeah. Um, I just want to end this with, I'm just going to say that what's happening right now in, in Palestine and Gaza, in Gaza Strip is horrific. The people dying, there's not one explanation for, a, for families to get wiped out, for children to die, for infants to die. I think going on to a point, I don't want to cut you off. I saw a statistic: forty-seven families in the Gaza Strip. Forty-seven families had been erased from the Ministry of of People. Forty-seven whole families, their lineage, generation is, is done because of this war. There's no explanation for that. There's no explanation for anything that's happening. Um, I hope this ends soon. I hope the voice of the Palestinian people really comes out to the world, mm-hmm. and the world, especially here people realize what's happening and they stop getting brainwashed by the media they see every day because what people don't realize is that the media brainwashes you over time. They throw words here and there that they make you look at that side of the world differently. They make you think that's what's happening there. Mm-hmm. It's not important. The people dying there are not relevant in any way. So that shouldn't happen. People should stay awake, should know what's happening in the world and look facts. Because the Palestinian conflict, it's 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 not it's not something opinion based. It's 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 something so it's 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 a big picture. It's it's something huge. Mm-hmm. And if you look purely at the fact, purely at the numbers, I'm not gonna say it. Anybody ever watching this, look at the numbers, look at that fact, you're gonna know what side you have to be on. And not not only that, I encourage also people, it's very, very hard to understand the present without understanding the past in this specific conflict. It's a very deep rooted problem. That's why it's been the conflict of discussion for for so many years. Mm. So don't base don't base everything on the present, and you really have to understand the past and what has led up to the present to truly understand what is going on. And it does take some time and effort and research, but that's a, another big thing. You really have to understand the past to understand the present, where we stand today, and and yeah. From the end of the day, we can impact the future. For sure. Simple. This is uh, Brother Snoop. We're gonna call it a day. I think we've all learned a lot. And as always, free Palestine. Free Palestine. Thank you.